like this is gonna be serviced for college radio and it's gonna be on You know, it was really refreshing to just kind of go, we're going to just have, we're going to be a party band. Mm. Right. And and we just, we just proceeded to just kind of ride that out, you know, as much as we could. And, and, and I remember my wife, you know, who I've been married to for 20 years, um, re- remember just going, she was like really impressed with the, the whole idea that, oh, you could just have fun and be a Christian. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, and, and yeah. I think that's, that's the saddest thing ever. That is the saddest thing ever that 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 would that would occur to somebody that oh my gosh, this whole time I could have been having fun. Yeah. I'm like, oh Lord, you know. But it was. I'm so happy that that was in, for that scene that that was sort of an excuse for like, or even just an impetus for people to go, oh yeah, oh yeah, we're human. Oh yeah, we like Star Wars. Oh yeah, we're kids. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I think that, and I think as we, the more we did it, the more it was like, it's, it was sort of a subversive act, really, you know, because, you know, as things got bigger and bigger, you know, and more money behind labels and stuff, there definitely, and Bradley can attest to this, where there definitely was much more of a policing of how much, you know, evangelism was going on, you know, and. Hey everyone, welcome back to Bear Tone Podcast. Today on the show, we are talking about Twin Sister which is a project that Old Bear is reissuing later this year. They are a Star Wars tribute band from Portland, Oregon from the 90s. So we Skyped in Todd, the lead singer of Twin Sister, and Bradley. Bradley was in a band called Pep Squad, and he also keeps this Bandcamp page that kind of archives the music of that scene at that time called The Corral on Spin Cycle. So here's our interview with Todd and Bradley. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, cool. So, welcome, guys, and um, we uh, uh, we just wanted to kind of get together and talk a little bit about um, what Old Bear is doing, particularly with um, reissuing this this project. Um, and it's a pretty cool story. Uh, I was telling Luke a little bit about it, and uh, I mean, I first heard the the project. Um, well, let's see. I graduated from high school in two thousand. And, um, but I don't know when I first or where I first heard the project, but of course kind of grew up, um, we are from upstate New York, Buffalo area, and, um, just kind of grew up listening to, um, 
music. You know, of course, Soul Food 76 was a band that you guys were in, right? Uh, no. Uh, okay, so I wasn't. Yeah. Explain that to me a little bit. Go ahead. Explain that to me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a funny thing. I don't know. Uh, I think I think (laughs) the the more we traveled around, the more more I started meeting people. It's like everybody puts Portland and Seattle in literally the same. Like 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 uh, (laughs) like Portland's a suburb of Seattle, right? Which is if you're from this area, is the biggest diss on Portland that you could actually (laughs) do. Cool. During the grunge so, explosion. So like in the first five in the minutes. the first five minutes. We yeah, I'm you, sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Great job. <laughs> Way to go, Anthony. Jeez. Hitting it out of the park. What a moron. <laughs> no, we like we'd go on tour in the in the south and people were like we would just get people on camera saying, Portland, Seattle, the same thing. Oh my god. And we're like, oh yeah. So but so yeah, Soul Food seventy six was in the Area. family of bands they're, that they're were from in the, the northwest. For sure. Yeah. 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 yeah we there was definitely like we were definitely Bradley and I were both I was probably one degree of separation from one person or another in that band. Um, so I went to this uh, private high school, Portland Christian, um, all through, through, you know, through my entire life because my my grandparents were big into private education and my dad got a job uh being a football coach. And I think they pay you in tuition pretty much because, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. So. So I went to private school all my life, you know, pretty sheltered, you know, watched Star Wars and liked the Muppets. That was about as edgy as things got. <laughs> um, and uh, about age 16, 17, I, I started um, hanging out with these guys that went to my school, Jesse and James. And um, they were both in a punk band called EOD, which stood for Ending of Death. <laughs> which me being deaf right i should be worried about these guys yeah right they're trying to end you man, uh, personally they're ending me it's like again <laughs> one of these fate, fateful things <laughs> um so so needless to say i'm seeing these punk rockers you know uh mm-hmm. going to my school and it was intriguing and um and Life went by for a few years, and then um, EOD turned into The Dwellers, and uh, a singer that was in EOD and went on to be in this band called The Gecko Monks. And then The Gecko Monks singer was this guy named Mikey, who had moved up from uh, Ventura, and Sam moved to Seattle, and that's where he, he met up with Daniel Fairbanks and those guys. And there's a whole crew up in Seattle around um, a church up there, and I don't really know what the name of the church was, but there was a venue called Rock House. Hmm. Rock House, yeah. Yeah, and it was in the Lincoln High School area, and there's like a ton of stories about this crew and about a bunch of different bands that, that kind of came around that, Coral Lou and Blenderhead and a bunch of different people from that scene and that's kind of what i feel like drew brandy nebel and tooth and nail to you know seattle at first um and portland kind of was always the the redheaded stepchild of of the whole scene and um uh so but but crazy crazy things happen and and bradley was in one of the few portland bands that ended up getting signed to 
tooth and nail, which was a coup at the time, mm-hmm. as I recall. A coup? <laughs> a coup? What do you mean? <laughs> yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I don't know. It was just, I think, I think for us, it was, I, I, I think it, 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 at that point in time in the history of, what would you call it? Uh, washed up youth group kids that are looking for something different because they're yeah. bored. I don't know. Yeah. What, what was our scene? What would you call our scene? I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but, but definitely, no yeah, but I mean, definitely, uh, there was a group of about, I would say 75 to 80, just stragglers kind of hanging around, mm-hmm. you, you know, playing each other's, you know, being, be, there were like maybe a, a, about eight bands that would just play, you know, on each other's shows, you know, and that was it. And, played any venue that was available at the time. And there was even like a zine culture and it, you know, a lot of cool things were happening in Portland, but, but Seattle always got the, the, the sub pop and the Nirvana, you know, and the, yeah. the, the explosion and Portland kind of just got the, the, the table scraps from that situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had ever. And so, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so, so Bradley's band, uh, Pep Squad, they got signed and to Tooth and Nail. time in music made by Christians history there were I mean I think maybe the Jesus movement like in the in the mid to late 70s would probably be pretty close I mean there were bands that were hitting and doing interesting things every bit as much in you know across the you know secular sacred continuum that at least people made up in their heads, right? You know, and yeah. and that and that wasn't always the case. You know, that's kind of the that's kind of the story I see. But Soul Food '76, no, we we weren't in that band. That's, that's <laughs> a long story for that. Okay. Well, so everybody in uh, everybody in Twin Sister was in a band called Sometimes Sunday. Except Todd, and Todd was in a band called Sapo, which uh, okay. and you guys actually put out a record too. You guys got signed to uh, was it Organic Records? Prophets could not have seen the beauty of this king. 
now in his manger. Prophets could not have known that the word of life is born now in his manger. But Todd was the only one, uh, a part of Twin Sister, that was not in yeah. Sometimes Sunday. Now I see him now. I see him and back then it was like there was always a comparison, you know, even in the in the Christian magazines. If you like nirvana you sure. will like you know x or if you like you know the, there's always they, they had these whole charts you know laid out and it was always like well <clears throat> i guess i like you know I, I do like nirvana so i'm gonna check this out you know of course it um it always it always fell short because you really liked the real thing um like mm -hmm. the, the comparison but then you also found ways to really appreciate in their own way um, the the that whole scene that was that was happening uh, for sure. Well, changed. it was it was definitely derivative, but if you think about it, um, so was everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you wouldn't you you know you wouldn't say that Duran Duran was like a, a a perfectly oh my god this gem in the middle of everything else, and still you would listen to their music because you you love the genre, right? And, right. and I think I think you know the only reason I ever really even got into the music you know that was kind of birthed out of that church community was because it was the only music my parents were like readily going yeah sure yeah you right can buy this yeah, right you know we're at the christian music store or whatever christian supply center and they're like yeah you can buy four <laughs> tapes and i'm like yes <laughs> you know, I, yeah right right you know there was no so, fight there was no what, fight there yeah no then that's and i think that was the only thing there was no resistance and i was like what what how did I all of a sudden get, you know, because up to that point, I just had a record player and they're like, yeah, you can get like Mickey Mouse Club records and right, uh, right. <laughs> Nathaniel the Grublet and Music Machine, you know, yeah. and that's about all I could get. Right. Yeah. Um, but to have music that was like, you know, ex exciting and loud and, you know, all these different things, you know, yeah, uh, that was a big deal. And my friend Randy, Randy Trout was like, <laughs> it always cracks me up because we run into these people over time who are like connoisseurs of the, uh, of the, the Christian music experience. And, um, and my friend, Randy Trout, like was, he knew all the tapes to get. Mm -hmm. And so when my parents were like, okay, you get four tapes. He's like, Oh, okay, here's the fours you, four you want to get, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> and he was right. He was right. I mean, he was as dead on as anyone could have been at that time. He told me to get, uh, res resurrection band. Yep. Mommy don't love dad anymore. Yeah. Uh, Perfect timing by Sweet Comfort Band, Petra, Not of This World, and I think it was Feral and Feral Choices, and and it was <laughs> such a array. It was such a great mix of music, yeah. and I mean, I didn't know much seventies music. I mean, I I, I bypassed that entire genre because my because my parents' listening habits and stuff, you know. Right. right. So. Mm -hmm. As far as I knew, Petra was like, "Oh my gosh, the grave robber!" I'm just like, it was blowing my mind and stuff. <laughs> um, so yeah, I didn't even like. It didn't even occur to me like, recommend it if you like what. There was nothing I could like really compare it to. Sure. So it was sure. its own. In my mind, it was its own thing. 
let's talk about Twin Sisters. So how did this happen for people that are listening to this uh, and are has never heard of the band before? Um, explain how this this project came together and 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 some of that story that you had shared with us, uh, you know, in the writings that you sent to us, Todd. Okay. I, well, Bradley, I don't want to steamroll you. I want to make sure. No, you, do it. If, if you want, if you, uh, I'm not going to do it. But if you have things that you want to add along the yeah, way, yeah. please don't, don't, don't All let right. me be the one that takes over because I'm, I'm, in, I'm just as interested to hear what you have to, your, your perspective as any, anything else. Um, so, uh, kind of going along those lines of like, um, as, as I started getting into like this, this punk music that were friends, you know, from the friends that were uh, going to my high school, um, my friend Matt Zimmerman um, started um, going to these shows, and also he, he started off in in bands that would play these these gigs. He was in this band called the Middlemen, and I I really loved his his band Middlemen. And I just fell in love with those those guys, those younger kids and stuff. And then um, and then just kept in touch. And around 1994, um, uh, I got invited to go to see a show with the clergy. And the clergy was, uh, the bass player was the bass player from the Dwellers. Mm-hmm. If you're following, if you're tracking with me, yep, yep. he was the bass player of the Dwellers that Sam was in. And Sam uh, went on to do Soul Food. This show that he invited me to was the clergy's last show, which you'll come to hear that that's like just the, the running. There's been like five or six all of our bands, clergy shows. all of our bands. Yeah. <laughs> We have at least yeah. seven or eight last shows. This is it. I promise. This time is it. Don't, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. All the merch. So, mm-hmm. so yes. We're, <laughs> we're mean, not out of merch everybody yet. Should just treat, everybody should just treat every show they do as their last show. I, mean, I think yeah. that's really what it is. Yeah. You just got to know. Um, but, but so I went to this this uh, this venue that was doing this show, the clergy's last show, and I think Soul Food was on the bill of all, of all things. And um, and I was going there because I knew that um, Jim Swanson's daughter I had a crush on on her in high school, <laughs> and um, you know and what a great reason to go listen to local music. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah, I went and, and I saw the show, and it was at the basement of this church in Southeast uh, Portland, where really nothing happened at the time. Now it's a booming metropolis, but oh, yeah. then there was nothing happening. And uh, it was this basement of this church. There was like 200 kids in this sweaty basement auditorium space. And the lights were really, really dim, but the sound was great. And there was tons of kids and they were moving. And it was mm. like, I was like, man, I want to be a part of this. Yeah. And uh, at that night, I like, I that was the night that Bradley and I met. Yeah. And, I, and I also met Mikey, who was the one that kind of had secured the space for for the clergy and the soul food. And he had, he had been, he had been sort of a, a promoter of sorts for a couple of years, um, doing dances, but then all at this place called the connection. And then, um, and then he also, you know, he was doing shows with his own band with, with the gecko monks. Hmm. And so when sometimes Sunday kind of, kind of came along they you know, they were like probably at that point, the biggest band on the label, I would mm-hmm. imagine maybe Starflyer was bigger 
nationally or whatever, but they were, they were huge. They were selling a lot of albums for tooth and nail. And so anytime, sometimes Sunday was playing, they were, um, you know, they get 400 kids in the basement of this church. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and my friend, Matt Zimmerman, who went to high school with me and, um, was in this had been this band the middleman he played bass for sometimes sunday so there was this draw of like all these friendships kind of building yeah at kind of a really lo a low point in my life and so i would just hang out with them whenever they were practicing i would hang out with them when you know let's just go go do this and let's go do it run errands you know i mean i was just like yeah. around mm -hmm. right i was around and and i think there was there were there were a lot of us that were just kind of looking for a family sure and i feel like that was definitely what that scene at that time was really our family. I mean, these, it wasn't like youth group, man. I mean, it's like going to shows in this, in this stuffy basement. And, you know, we do like movie nights and poetry nights and, and uh, it was really a vibrant scene. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of different things over the years and it was, it makes, it, I have really fond memories of that, of mm. that, those moments. And so, um, so one practice, um, a few of the guys from from Sometimes Sunday uh, were were in. We were in the garage of Mikey and Josie's house, and they were um, they were just going running through stuff. I think it was before a tour, um, or maybe it was. Yeah, I mean they they just played all the time, and every time they played in Portland, it was a huge deal. But they were doing some new songs, as I recall. But right around that same time, uh, some Red Hot Chili Peppers albums were were coming out and, and some and some uh uh raise your hands machine you know music was coming and 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 jacob and matt were both into that kind of music and they were both like kind of i i think they were sort of joke riffing i mean they were i think most of the stuff they were doing was almost straight ripoffs from what they would re could recall from like uh, empire or something you mm -hmm, know mm -hmm. um and i and i don't you know it was just it was literally a gleeful like footnote after uh after a, a hard practice you know and i and yeah. i was just sitting literally in the corner of their carpeted garage you know <laughs> and um and uh they started playing and everybody was like moving around and mikey mikey who was singing for sometimes sunday went to the drums which left the the microphone empty and so matt looked over at me he's like hey so why don't you get on the mic and i'm like okay cool and i had been you know playing within the scene with my own band and my brother was in the band and uh, my friend steve and and so so i've been doing some singing already so i felt kind of confident to do it and so i went up on the mic and i'd been doing just kind of trying to match what they were doing kind of this this funk stuff and mm -hmm. and but I couldn't come up with any lyrics on the spot except for <laughs> lines from Star Wars literally <laughs> was but the only things that I came up with he's no good to me dead you know um you know, some most most of the lines that were all ended up being on that song, Slave One. Um, yeah. What, what if he doesn't survive? He's with a lot to me. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I couldn't think of any of the, you know, the coolest character of the whole series, you know, whatever mm. his lines, they're like five lines all, you know, all mm. together, not, inc not including the, the Wilhelm scream while he's falling in the Sarlacc <laughs> pit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so when we started doing that, it was, it was a genuinely like, oh my God, we had so much fun playing these songs and then you're doing these Star Wars things. Why, why don't we just keep doing that? Yeah. And it, it, it really was a, a, a very, you know, natural thing mm -hmm. in, in, in kind of 
in, in the spirit of just playfulness and, and joyfulness. And I mean, to be honest with you, in the world of recommended, if you like, in, in the world of make sure you, you know, you talk about Jesus and, you know, it was really refreshing to just kind of go, we're going to just have, we're going to be a party band. Mm, all right. And, and we just, we just proceeded to just kind of ride that out, you know, as much as we could. And, mm. and, and I remember my wife, you know, I've been married to for 20 years, um, re- remember just going, she was like really impressed with the, the whole idea that, oh, you could just have fun and be a Christian. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and I, and, yeah. and I think that's, that's the saddest thing ever. Mm-hmm. That is the saddest thing ever that, that, that would, that would occur to somebody that, Oh my gosh, this whole time I could have been having fun. Yeah. I'm like, Oh Lord, you know, mm-hmm. but it was, I'm so happy that that was in for that scene, that that was sort of an excuse for like, or even just an impetus for people to go, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We're human. Oh yeah. We like star Wars. Oh yeah. We're kids. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that, and I think as we, the more we did it, the more it was like, it's, it was sort of a subversive act really, you know, because, you know, as things got bigger and bigger, you know, and more money behind labels and stuff, there definitely, and Bradley can attest to this, where there definitely was much more of a policing of how much, you know, evangelism was going on, you know, and, and, uh, so twin sister was was completely the opposite. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your life. You like me because I'm a scoundrel. There aren't enough scoundrels in your funny that he said that there was this policing of uh, the evangelism because I do remember when Pep Squad actually toured we would almost be sitting in the van drawing straws of who would talk because he knew they were going to ask us are you guys going to say a message tonight <laughs> yeah and yeah. I'm like uh, we're a rock and roll band from Portland mm-hmm. not not a not preachers but yeah um, right right <laughs> definitely I, I remember in in Florida after a show and, and I and I, I literally preached a sermon i don't know what i said and i got in the car and i looked i looked over at brian who was in pepsco and i said brian that's the last time i'm doing that yeah like you are not because i'm the bass player right you're the lead singer you gotta do it. <laughs> yeah. not, i'm not doing that again right right <laughs> i mean it's a foregone conclusion when you're wearing a darth vader outfit you're just not gonna be telling any sermon at that point. <laughs> right the, the the youth pastor that hired you isn't going to worry about that you know Squad, mm-hmm. and so tell me a little yeah. bit about that deal. Uh, I, I was actually just like Todd. Uh, I, well, I actually moved 
from uh, from Bend, Oregon, to be a part of this scene up here. Mm -hmm. And I got up here, and I was 19 years old. I had ambition to have a career in music somehow, and just kind of networked around and ended up uh, joining the band called Pep Squad that had uh, signed a deal with Tooth and Nail. And, and um, it was kind of funny because I was in two bands with the singer from Pep Squad, and Pep Squad was the joke band, and the other band, Motormouth, which is it's on that Corral and Spin Cycle website, yeah. but the other band, Motormouth, was like our serious band, and that was the band we really wanted to get get signed. Well, Brian ended up signing the con. Do you remember a, a record label named Sublime Records back no. in the 90s? No, I, I mean, I remember the band, but I don't remember oh, the, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're long gone, and I think everything that they ever put out is pretty much out of print. And, you can't find it anywhere, but Sublime as an S-U-B-L-I-M-E. And uh -huh. I can't remember who was behind that label, but Brian signed a record deal with him for Pep Squad. And I remember him coming to practice and I'm like, yeah, I, I signed a record deal, dude. And I'm like, why? For Pep Squad? Why? This is the, that's the joke band. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And eventually they ended up down in the green room and recorded the first Pep Squad album. And Sublime Records didn't feel that it was Christian enough and decided that they couldn't have made a substantial investment in it and sold their contract to Tooth and Nail. Mm. So we found ourselves on Tooth and Nail <laughs> and ended up just kind of going for it. Um, and we did that for about three years. But, um, but yeah, uh, I kind of walked away from it all in about, about 2001 and then when uh, Aaron approached me about uh, putting together the crowd on Spin Cycle in was it, 2010 is when I, I kind of revisited what we were doing back then. Mm. So. You know, when, when, when we started doing shows, people were like, what is this new thing? And, and uh, it, was the, it was both the, the, the funk approach, but also, yeah, the, the, the costumes and everything. Just the part, it was like, it was almost like, our own version of like Rocky Horror or something. Were you there for the first show of yeah. you know, Twin Sister or whatever? <laughs> it, 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 it was like a, it was like a, it was earmarked as some sort of you know, moment in time that everybody's like, I was there. And uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, and it's funny that you should say about Cornerstone and stuff. Cause like when we played Cornerstone, it was, I was, it was a weird thing. Cause we played in 1996 and, uh, and I had never played a big festival and because Tom Festival was like maybe 2,000 people, mm -hmm. if that, you know. And it was pretty much just family members and bands, you know. Because <laughs> if you get 100 bands and yeah. their families, right. you have a festival. That's right. You got a festival, yeah. Yeah. Um, but but Cornerstone was like, oof, wow, this is crazy. And, yeah. and sometimes Sunday at Cornerstone, you know, I had never seen anything like that. Because I remember that they booked sometimes Sunday – at the same time that there was this Celtic band Iona playing at the main stage, so anybody that didn't want to see Iona, which right. was all everybody, of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> came and watched the sometimes Sunday set, and so there was like twenty five hundred people. Right. There were like a Tom Festival worth of people in right. this tent. Yeah, um, and then at one point I remember Mikey just because Mikey had said, "I think we might do some by Twin Sister." I'm like. Okay, that's sort of weird, but because they're all here to see you and sometimes Sunday, but his back was really hurting him. 
And so I think they did maybe, I mean, maybe five songs before he was just like, yeah, I, I'm, I can't do this. Mm. And so he basically hands the mic to me. And at that point, you know, my band was good, but <laughs> not 2,500 people coming to see you good. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and at one point, I remember looking over the Cornerstone crowd and just going, everybody's hands in the air. And then just seeing, you know, 2,500 hands going up. <laughs> right. Yeah. And sing and starting to sing about Jawas and stuff and <laughs> and everybody being into it, you know? Yeah, and yeah. we we had like a <laughs> we had this guy we had this friend of ours who kind of wandered in uh after a few years of doing shows at the push, you know, the in the basement in in, in that Portland church and uh we affectionately called him Grandpa Mike and he was like the merch guy. Mhm. And we we did uh, we went to this place called Music Craft, which was like the last bastion of cassette technology, and um, and they they we, we I remember Mikey and I going down and like we need to get a bunch of cassettes of the tw- like four song Twin Sister cassettes, and they're like, well cassettes, I mean we got we don't have like all <laughs> we don't have we don't have like five hundred of one color, and we're like we don't care what colors do you got, and they're like right. we got like blue and yellow and green, and like. Yeah, we want all of those. Yeah. So, and and for me, that really was awesome because, like, when I was, like, eight and nine years old, I would, like, collect Star Wars cards of all the different colors. And that was like a, oh, my God, did you get the orange cards, the blue cards? <laughs> it was a big deal. Yeah. So, so you know, there's still people, like, from Cornerstone, they're like, yeah, I got the green tape, you know, or whatever. Mm. Uh, and that's really, really rare. But, but I remember Grandpa Mike saying, oh, yeah, we sold out all of that during your set. All, mm. like, 500 cassettes. Mm. And that was kind of the, that's what happened every time. I mean, I remember, I remember doing the merch at a show that we weren't even playing, right? It was like Pedro the Lion and POD and blah, 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 right? I'm just sitting at the merch counter and we're selling, we're overselling POD and Pedro the Lion (laughs) and not even playing. (laughs) Yeah. Twin Sister was like, the local rock star of the entire scene and it was completely organic and out of the blue i remember the first time you guys played in the basement you walked up to me later you're like every lyric was about star wars i'm like the place was going crazy i don't know what you guys <laughs> are doing or what kind of magic is being worked but yeah it's dope i mean yeah i mean twin, i i still love that album I mean, yeah there's something about it and i think probably because there was less pretense about it i won't think that anybody in that band was like okay, we have to do this and we got to sound like this guy and da, da, da. It was just like, let's just rock. Yeah. 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 I think that's why people like it so much. Yeah. I, I, I think at first I was really embarrassed by the album because I mean, the first thing you'll, you'll hear my, our friend uh, Ivan at one point uh, is consoling me because Mikey insisted on, and this he did this on so many projects, and I hope you're listening, Mike Mikey, because I still hold this, har- harbor this bitterness of your insistence of, of like, how fast can we put this album out? How fast can we record it? And, you know, oh save some, 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 some money. He's the guy that, you know, he's got coupons in his pocket, you know, and if there's something wrong with the, the projector while you're going to see the movie, he's, he ensures that he gets his money back so that he can have a pass for the next time he goes. <laughs> And he's got he's got hundred dollar bills hanging out of his pocket, so you know whatever. Anyway, um, but I was I, 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 it was it was really funny to me because um, 
I feel like, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. There, there we go. I got mad at Mikey, and then he was consoling. He was consoling you. He was. Ivan was consoling me. Thank you so much, Anthony. You're Um, welcome, man. Ivan was consoling me because um, Mikey was insisting that I did all the vocal takes, and you know, while we were there in the in the short amount of time that we had booked Northstar, and those are actually if you go back and listen to that album. You try and sing those lines, you know, because it's yeah. almost every song I'm 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 blowing my voice out sure. and I'm singing super high notes and and they're and and they're meant for like a show and if you listen if you there there are a few like live videos out there and I I usually lose it after three the third song in yeah. so they're trying to actually do a recording right I was really embarrassed I was really embarrassed by my performance on the album and Ivan was like oh it's okay sorry right. you know. Don't worry about it, because <laughs> I'm like I'm not. I don't. I don't. I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I, I think that's that, that, that actually that actually made it to the album too. What song is that before? So it's like right before. I think it's right it. before Jawa. Never a Jawa. And I'm like I'm not. He's like don't worry. <laughs> no, don't no. Worry. It's right before. It's right before. We don't serve your kind here. No. Don't worry about it. It sounds like it sounds like for you guys it was a lot. It, it, it uh, I guess as you guys were talking, you know, it it didn't carry with it. You didn't have to. You weren't proselytizing. You didn't feel the weight of. And I think I think for listeners, um, especially Christian kids growing up listening to um, all of the bands you guys mentioned, you know, even the bands you guys were in. Um, when twin sister i don't even truthfully i don't even remember where or how i heard it for the mm-hmm. first time but it it did not enter my mind until we were on tour um this year and we were in um kansas city and i was talking to to a friend of mine uh we were out to dinner and his name is ben abu sada which he should be part of like some, his last name is Abu Sada, and sounds awesome. sounds like a Star Wars thing. But anyways, he's a he's a a friend of mine who is a worship leader at a church, and he got a job. Um, he's a huge Star Wars fan, and he uh, um, is also a, a, an artist, um, graphic artist, and he can you know draw really well and blah blah blah, and so. He started doing these uh, Star Wars, uh, just reissued like a, over the past few years, like a, a hand drawings of artists from, you know, wherever. And um, he submitted his art to Star Wars, the, the corporation, and, and won um, the ability to, to draw certain characters for this, this uh, playing card collection. And so we're Whoa. out to we're out to to dinner, and I know he's into Star Wars like big time. You know, you go into his office, and it's just like crazy. And and I knew that he was drawing for the you know for Star Wars the the legit thing. And 
and he was showing me some stuff at dinner and I said, have you ever heard of, you know, all of a sudden, like, <laughs> I probably haven't thought of this record in a long, you know, I mean, I told my kids about it cause my kids are all into, I have four kids and they're all into star Wars, but, but I hadn't really thought about it. And I said, you gotta, have you ever heard of this band called twin sister? And he said, no, you know, I haven't never, you know, and, and what, what sparked the idea of talking, my brother was sitting there with me, Chris, and, um, I was trying to find it, you know, like I couldn't find it on iTunes. And then I'm like, you know, I'm not a huge, I, I'm, I'm, you know, whatever you can judge me or not, but I have a Spotify account and, and I, I'm, you know, like I'm on Spotify and I'm like, it's not on Spotify. And so finally I go on YouTube and I find it, you know, and, um, and so I start showing him, I said, you got to, you got to be, you know, you got to hear this band because it's like, right. I mean, he's like, a, he's a, he's crazy about, about Star Wars. And I am too. I just, I knew I was like, I had met my match, you know, with him. So it's like, I wasn't trying to, I was just trying to like go with the flow, you know, cause he knows <laughs> way more than I do. You know, I just always liked the music and um, of course into the movies, but he he flipped you know and he said you guys gotta you guys gotta get a hold of these guys and let them you know <laughs> let them know that you still love their music and and uh you know i looked at my brother and i said yeah we, you know it's true we had you know we had started reissuing some projects and um that we had grown up liking and uh this was really the first project that i said you know that i my brother usually brings to me some projects that he likes and so this was the first project for me that I was like this this would be one you know for me and I think as a kid you know as a someone coming up listening to all those bands and also feeling the pressure of being in my own band and having to always have a message I think it was a safe outlet where I loved the, the, the movies growing up I loved I had all that stuff, uh, you know, the action figures and the cards and everything. It was a time for me to be like, oh, yeah. You know, like you, you had mentioned, Todd, where it is okay to be um, interested in some things of this world. <laughs> if, you know, without weird, you know, it's sounding weird. <clears throat> but um, yeah, right, right, right. to me, that was um, a moment, you know. And so uh, uh, that's kind of how we, we kind of... Uh, stumbled across it again was just having this this you know conversation with a with a buddy of mine in Kansas City and just going you know like, hey I wonder what those guys are doing you know I wonder what where the project's even at you know um, and so I've had a chance obviously um, it's been remastered and it sounds great and you know but I've, I've, I've I kind of been just reliving um that you know for myself just this idea that like you know we can have fun and be creative and and also just you know uh, it harkens back to some some memories for me you know and so uh, that's kind of where that's kind of my side of the story of how I you know and then my brother of course started reaching out to you guys and um, yeah but yeah so I, I've been enjoying I've been enjoying this process for sure and uh, uh and, and enjoy just kind of hearing the stories, you know, behind it. So, and everybody that I've been kind of previewing it to has just been like, wow. I sent it, actually, I sent the project, the remastered project to Ben Abusada. And, uh, oh, good. Yeah, yeah. I just sent it to him the other day. And, and, uh, along with that video, um, 
there's a pretty cool video that uh, of, of the guys playing in their costumes and stuff. Yeah, um, that, that's that's a that's a sought after <laughs> moment for sure. We've yeah. been looking for uh, different different pictures or video or anything with the with the guys in the the costumes. And I was doing I was helping with the artwork. I'm like, do we have any pictures? Any? <laughs> and the answer is, did no. this actually happen? <laughs> yeah. But some of the best things in life actually are, you know, I, I think of, I, you know, I uh, hesitate to say this, but I, I'm going to anyways, because it's, but uh, my uncle, uh, I won't say which one, because I have, I have a lot, so that way they, they won't, it won't be like a direct thing. But my <laughs> uncle, sure I, I just sure remember, totally I just remember my uncle growing up in life, always attached to, and now you're not talking like iPhones, you're talking like pretty archaic cameras, you know? these massive things that had to rest on your shoulder, they were so big, you know, um, always attached to this camera, capturing things through a lens. You know, sometimes the best things in life, you just, you don't have it. You know, you're not, you're not trying to document it. You're just trying to be present in the moment, you know? And, uh, and I think that's kind of what resonated with me about the story, not to be like, (laughs) you know, we, I guess we, we run the risk of being overly significant or overly sentimental about something that was always meant to be a release, like just a, a comedic release or, uh, just a release from life. But, you know, my uncle always, (laughs) you know, I just often felt like, does he ever look back and be like, man, I, I always had one eye closed, you know, (laughs) trying to look into this camera thing, you know? Um, and I think that's probably part of the beautiful thing about this project as I'm gathering information, some wrong, obviously. So I apologize about this whole Food 76 thing. But, uh, well, uh, but I, I don't think I'll ever forgive you. I'm, I'm <laughs> I think the weird thing about Twin Sister was that, like Todd mentioned, there was probably about 80 of us running around trying to make it, you know, it, make some sort of career in music at the time. And uh, Twin Sister wasn't. And they magically became pretty much the biggest band that came from that scene. And they never got signed. They never, did you guys ever tour? I can't remember. Well, I mean, that might be another story for another time. But uh, that, that's, yeah. <laughs> it was a complete accident. You know, everybody else was sure. so diligent. Okay, we're going to make it. We have our plan. Sure. Yeah, we're yeah. going to do this. We're going to get signed. We're going to go on tour. We're going to. We're gonna get exposure. We're gonna be on MTV. I mean, when Pep Squad was going, that was our main thing. Oh, sure, the right. Got, Tooth and Nails got uh, distribution, and that was a big buzzword back then. What kind of distribution do they have? Are sure. you just gonna <laughs> Christian bookstores or not? And Twin Sister comes out doing Star Wars stuff, and honestly, you guys sold what two thousand of them just to to us to the to people uh, that, that came to the shows. I think hmm. without any help. Well. No, because I have about 700 in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> those are the those are the rare ones that you're able to sell for a pretty penny these days. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, something you said was you know made me think about that though. I mean, it's like I, I think that it is there is something about again how 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 much we hold on to um, the qualifiers, the things that we that are that make our art or our expression valid. And if there's anything that I want people to come away uh, with listening to this album, it's that um, your idea of God is probably too small. And this band 
is the embodiment of a love that goes beyond um, a scene that would allow it to happen, you know, mm-hmm. willingly, you know, because I don't think we would have gotten any sort of endorsement from like the conservative Baptist church or something <laughs> like that. Um, right. We were problematic for Christian radio. We were problematic for Christian co- conferences and, and, um, but there was something really real that, that, I felt like eventually I wanted to convey and I was like this it would it did fly in the face of like this industry that was pushing you know Jesus in this really gross way mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and um I still in 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 some ways you know har- harbor a resentment toward the industry that that makes its money off worship you know thing I, and 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 I understand that I I'm sure that there are there are, there are ways that I've profited off of that, but I I, I feel like there's a a purity to just enjoying something and being fascinated by something that you can't have you can't have that without validating it in some way. Um, and as a dad, you know anybody that's a father knows it's you know or a mother knows that you know it's like joy on a child's face to just get an action figure or to just to be excited or fascinated by something mm-hmm. the wonder you, you know it's like why would you try to qualify that why would you try to and mm-hmm. so if we if we say that god is our parent or our father or whatever and you think that this god that you're you're worshiping is qualifying your joy or your fascination fascination around something then i think you might be thinking of something that isn't God at all. Hmm. Um, but something that there's some construct of some sort of stodgy, boring, joyless, you know, idol Mm -hmm. that we really need to get, that we really need to get rid of in order to move forward and to, to do something that really will change the world ultimately, you know? So, Hmm. you know, there's, there's my Bono speech. (laughs) <laughs> yeah but it wasn't in am his i bugging you there you am go i bugging you i don't mean to bug you <laughs> did, he, did he say that a lot yeah yeah and yeah. rattle and hum yeah, yeah man. Sure, man all the time i know those i know those lines mm-hmm. i know those lines <laughs> brad what are you doing now i mean you were in pep squad i work and... for a serve pro yeah. uh-huh nice. no i don't actually so brad why, why, brad why are you even on this call here's the thing bradley why are you even on this call because why you weren't in the band so what's no, going on was here? Not. Uh, they actually got, you guys got in touch with me. Yep. Um, about 10 years ago, yep. a friend of mine, Erin, who um, who worked in this scene, actually she was very involved in the scene, in the booking and uh, some of the management. She was also a singer in a band called Gifty. Hmm. Um, she had a bunch of cassettes laying around from back then. And she knew that I kind of did this whole digital transfer thing. And she sure. said, hey, would you be willing to, to do my album for me? And Said so, yeah, and Bandcamp had just started yeah. about yeah about ten years ago. Bandcamp started, so she sent me three or four tapes, and I went ahead and remastered them and I put them up on Bandcamp. Hmm. And a bunch of other people saw it happen, and before I knew it, people were sending stuff in, and it became a thing. And I think we have fifty-four albums up there now. Yeah, and these yeah, are pretty much really. Um, the Portland and Christian alternative scene that Todd's been talking about. Yeah. Um, in fact, a lot of the bands that he mentioned, the Dwellers, um, 
It was Matt, Matt and Middleman. Yep. And Middleman is on. Uh, Pep Squad is on there. Yeah. Twin Sister was on there until last week. I actually just took it down because uh, I wanted to make way for this this reissue coming out. But yeah. um, it just sort of just like uh, the entire scene, it kind of happened organically. And it's kind of weird. A lot of the people whose music is up there, they come, why are you putting that stuff? I said, you want me to take it down? Well, no, but why are you doing it? Like, <laughs> well, because what we did was awesome. It was, it was, it shouldn't be forgotten. And right. um, it's something that I can show my kids and, and hopefully Todd and some of the other people that were involved can show their kids and say, oh, this is what we were involved in when we were yeah. 18 or mm. 22 or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. that's actually, that's how I, I'm part of this conversation, though. I just, yeah, I figured... I'd resurrect this scene that we were part of just to, to make sure it doesn't die. And, and twin sister was a part of that and they ended up on the site. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I actually, I mean, uh, Brad, you and I were talking last week. I think it was last week, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I have since like, you know, um, uh, that band camp site has become one of my favorite, uh, sites. Um, just just that whole you know and if you're if you're out there and you're trying to listen and you want to find something totally unique and and uh you know interesting check that band camp site out it's spin cycle right is that what the name of it uh, is the, the corral the, the corral, corral and spin cycle which yeah. i know it's a mouthful but we when we first actually put this stuff up me and Aaron were trying to think of something i said what what would be something that people who were involved back then right. would know about but it was and a club, corral, right, or, a, or a, a venue. The corral was a club, and then the spin cycle was like the last club. This whole scene kind of took place between around 1988 to 2000, 2001. Yeah. And, and all the music on there pretty much encompasses that. Um, mm-hmm. Damien Gerardo's band is on there, too. Um, was it you who mentioned? Yeah. Yeah, Damien Gerardo uh, was involved in the scene. Yeah. Um, and he was in a band called Flower Mouth, actually. Hmm. And um, we have my first tape up there too. Yeah, that's awesome. cool. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate you guys joining us, and uh, and uh, we do want you to, you know, obviously take a look at this uh, this reissue. Um, we will be releasing it digitally as well, and um, so that it can be found on iTunes, and um, and we want to reintroduce it back to Bandcamp. Uh, Brad and I talked a little bit about that, awesome. so uh, working through that a little bit, but. But so thankful for your time and and uh, and any of the stuff that you know any links or anything that we need to, to for you to know that'll they'll just be in the show notes and um, you can always check that out. So um, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. I'm glad you guys decided. To Thank do you. This. And and, and uh, I mean I'm just sitting around doing schoolwork. So to <laughs> to to know that somebody's you know cares about something I did you know. 25 years ago i mean i'm like really excited about that uh, awesome yeah awesome. man it's fun it's fun it's fun for us and and uh and thank you for making the music and um yeah so appreciate it thanks guys yeah it made the yep. force thank be you. with you, yeah. Thank you for listening to Baritone Podcast. 
If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave us a review. Rate us. That helps us out a lot. And you can always email us at baritonepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, Give us any feedback that you can that's really helpful for us. I want to thank Anthony Hoisington for helping produce this show. I want to thank Todd and Bradley for taking the time to chat with us. It was really fun. I want to thank Sarah Bridgman for creating the artwork for this show. My name is Lucas. I'm one of the producers. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Hear what I said I can-